This edition of the AIM Hometown Innovations podcast is sponsored by the AIM P-Card program. Earn rebates back to your city or town by using the AIM Procurement Card program for all of your purchasing needs. Your community can consolidate all of its monthly purchases into one invoice and one vendor payment through an 18-state consortium led by the Illinois Association of School Business Officials. The free program uses a BMO Harris Bank card that has zero fees, and AIM provides rebates directly back to participating cities and towns. The AIM P-Card can help you provide better financial reporting in terms of who, what, when, and how much. Approved by the Indiana State Board of Accounts, the AIM P-Card program is customized to fit the legal requirements governing public sector spending and offers unique advantages over other programs. For more information or for assistance with the application process, contact Ann Trobal, AIM Corporate Relations Director, at 317-237-6200, extension 239. This is Matt Greller, CEO of AIM. Welcome to the Hometown Innovations Podcast. Join us as we share ways our municipalities are positioning themselves for the future, thought-provoking interviews with state and local leaders, and more. Thanks for listening as we tell the municipal story. Welcome to this edition of AIM's Hometown Innovations Podcast. This is Chelsea Schneider, AIM Innovations Content Manager, and today I am with Heather James of Ice Miller and Matt Eckerly of Umbaugh, and we are going to really delve into an issue that's really important to communities across the state, tax increment financing. So thank you so much for being on the podcast. Of course. Thanks, Thanks for, having for having us. Having us. Yeah. So we are actually at Mayor's Institute where we're recording the podcast where you guys just gave this really great session about TIF, you know, really covering the beginning, the middle, and the end, and more of this, like, really complicated subject matter, right? So to start off the podcast, I thought it would be great to just kind of give a quick description of what tax increment financing is, since it's such a por- important, you know, local economic development tool. So TIF is a tool that captures increases in assessed value from new development, And it's important to phrase it that way because folks sometimes have the misconception that you are, the redevelopment commissions are capturing what's already in the property tax base. And that is not the case. Again, it's just increases in assessed value, um, either from real property and at sometimes um, depreciable personal property increases as well. And, and those increases have to be due to you know, new construction, changes in tax status, the expiration of a property tax abatement. And it's also important to note that in the majority of circumstances, you can't capture residential real property increases. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can capture apartments, you can capture certain condos, but for the most part, new single-family housing, that's something that can't be captured for TIF purposes. Great. So what do you feel is TIF's biggest impact on communities, you know, communities who utilize this tool? What do, what do they see? I, I think that the, the impact can be viewed in the projects that it supports. Mm-hmm. And it's going to vary depending on which community you're in. You know, what the impact is uh, in Jasper is different from the impact in Hobart. 
So you really need to think about what are we doing with the TIF that we would not be able to do if we didn't have the TIF in place. And that could be the infrastructure that's constructed or an incentive that was provided to a company that's employing hundreds of people in the community. So it's not a it's not something you can look at on a one size fits all basis. It's really specific to your community and the the benefit that you are seeing from that TIF. And more and more we're seeing economic development in the form of quality of place improvements. So maybe you're um, taking advantage of building a new splash pad, making a community more livable in the downtown area. Great. So kind of backing up, um, you must have a redevelopment commission to establish a TIF district. How do you go about establishing an RDC? What is that? It's actually a very simple process. The Department of Redevelopment is created by the local legislative body and then the majority of the members are appointed by the mayor in a city or the town council president in a town and the remainder of the folks on the redevelopment commission are appointed by the council. So when you were doing your presentation, you made a really important point that a TIF area doesn't give an RDC more power over property taxpayers. Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit more about that. Sure. Really, when you're uh, establishing a new tax increment allocation area, you're basically saying, in this geographic area, we intend to capture eligible increases in assessed value from new development or other uh, eligible uh, changes in assessed value. That's really what you're doing when you're establishing that area. But then there are also some other aspects of it on the, the legal side of things and the planning side of things that you're, you're making certain determinations and findings. Maybe, Heather, you can go into a little bit more of that. Sure, yeah, Matt is exactly right. Once you create a redevelopment commission, then that public body does have some powers. And the ones that we see used very frequently are the acquisition and disposal of property because the redevelopment statute is really very flexible in that regard. Uh, redevelopment commissions also have the ability to repair, maintain, and build structures, contract for local public improvements, issue bonds, enter into leases, and things like that. Um, But it's notable that certainly by um, creating a redevelopment commission and then by having that redevelopment commission go through the steps to create a TIF area or an allocation area, there is no power of eminent domain, nothing like that. They don't have any more power over the folks living in the redevelopment district. Again, simply they're just able to capture the increases in assessed value and put that those funds into a separate allocation fund. So what are some tips you have for communities as they explore establishing TIF areas? Well, I think one of the things that you want to take into account is just what's the composition of this area that you're contemplating uh, designating as an allocation area? Uh, is it for redevelopment purposes? Are there going to be buildings torn down? Uh, is there development in the hopper ready to go? Or is it something where you're trying to get an area up and going and there's nothing really percolating yet? All of those types of variables need to be taken into account because they can have an effect on uh the timing of when you want to establish that area, the types of projects you want to pursue in that area, the funding mechanisms that are available to you. And, you know, TIF, TIF doesn't just generate out of thin air. Things have to happen before you get that revenue. So the, the timing especially becomes important on that element. 
Another thing I would mention is being very mindful about the geographical area that you are including in your economic development area and then your allocation area. The economic development area or redevelopment area is the geographical area where you actually expect there to be um, some impact in the development. The allocation area can be the same size, coterminous with that economic development area, or it can be smaller, or there could be multiple allocation areas within an economic development area. And that's important because the allocation area is where the actual increases in AV are collected. And, um, you know, it, it, it makes sense to sit down and think through where you expect the development to occur, where are those increases in AV going to be, and then where do you want to distribute those funds in your community. And I would say, just to follow on at the end of that, when you do define all of this, you're comfortable with the, the boundaries that you have, make sure you get a good map drawn up for it and get a thorough parcel list for it because that becomes very important down the line. So I'd like to emphasize that. I completely agree. The statute does not require a map, but I do. <laughs> Definitely. And then how long can a TIF district stay in place? So that depends. The term of an allocation area depends on when the allocation area was established. So what we call legacy TIF areas or areas that were established before July 1, 1995, now expire the later of 2025 or following the final maturity of obligations outstanding as of July 1, 2015. Then the legislature changed the rule and said that areas established between July 195 and July 108 have an expiration date of 30 years. And that's 30 years after the date on which the allocation provision was established. So typically 30 years from the date that the declaratory resolution was adopted. And now the rule is different again. And TIF areas established after July 1, 2008 have a 25-year expiration date, but it's not 25 years after the date that the declaratory resolution is adopted, 25 years after the date the first obligation payable from TIF is incurred. So if you've created a TIF allocation area and have not yet issued debt payable from that TIF, the clock has not started running on that allocation area yet. And one thing that's important to note in the discussion of the expiration of TIF areas or allocation areas is that if you've expanded your allocation area at all during its life, that expansion gets its own separate life under the rules that were applicable during the time period of that adoption. So you might have an area that was established under the legacy rules, but then you uh, amended it a few times, you're going to have a staggered expiration based on when that allocation provision was established for that individual expansion piece. So that's important to keep in mind, especially if you have an older TIF area and you're trying to do things like issue bonds from it that you're accounting for that staggered expiration. And we see that uh, more and more as 2025 gets closer and closer. It seemed a long time away when I started, but now <laughs> it's, uh, it's very close. <laughs> Definitely. Um, what are some common questions when you're talking to local government officials, community leaders about TIF? You know, what are they asking you about in terms of creating these areas and monitoring these areas? Uh, the question that I get most often is, can I use TIF for X, Y, or Z? Um, is, is this a proper expenditure of TIF? And I always tell people to look at it as a four-pronged test. 
and consider if the expenditure is capital in nature, meaning it's not an operating expense, uh, has an economic development purpose, is in serving or benefiting the area, and is in the economic development or redevelopment plan. One question that I get a lot, uh, and this is more in particular if they're contemplating a TIF area for a specific new development, is uh, you know, can TIF and tax abatement be used mm-hmm. together with each other? Right. And um, utilizing one or the other does not prohibit you from using them at the same time, but they do very much affect each other. And really, it's circumstances where you're establishing a TIF area, you need to capture TIF revenue, but if you've granted an abatement, you know, they're not paying the property taxes on that new construction because it's abated. So what you're really doing is you're delaying your receipt of TIF revenues through the operation of that abatement. So you want to be aware of that and you want to be aware of the impact if you grant an abatement down the line as an area matures that you're properly planning for the effect of that abatement on your TIF revenues. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Um, TIF is also a really transparent tool for local government. There's public meetings, hearings, required reports. What are some of those requirements and perhaps how did they change during the 2018 legislative session when there was some TIF language in play? Sure. Um, really, there's the, in, in terms of kind of the public sphere of things that are tangible that they can see, um, there are two big requirement dates. Uh, April 15th, the Redevelopment Commission is required uh, prior to that date to file what's called a uh, TIF management report that outlines the activities of the Redevelopment Commission and the activities in each allocation area for the prior year. And that has to get filed with the, uh, the executive of the unit, with the legislative body, and with the state through Gateway. Um, by June 15th of each year, a Redevelopment Commission needs to make the determination of their intent to capture eligible incremental assessed value for the upcoming year. And that is, uh, they make that finding and then they have to provide a notification to all of the overlapping taxing units and to the county auditor. So that's another chance to get out there and say, this is what we're planning on doing for the upcoming year. Uh, You mentioned changes during the 2018 legislative session. During the special session, uh, the General Assembly adopted House Enrolled Act 1242. And that now uh, puts a requirement on redevelopment commissions to hold an annual meeting uh, to which the uh, officials of the overlapping taxing units of all the allocation areas are invited. And during that meeting, the redevelopment commission has to address three items. The redevelopment commission's budget for its TIF revenues, the redevelopment commission's long-term plans for the tax increment allocation areas, and the impact of each of those allocation areas on those overlapping taxing units. So that's something that people need to be aware of and it provides a, a, a public forum for people to discuss these items and for a redevelopment commission and uh, you know the municipality to really put out there, here's what we're doing with our TIF areas so the, the public can understand. And it also provides a great opportunity for engagement with those other units so they can understand what you're doing and maybe you can search for areas of collaboration as well. Also, even though Redevelopment Commission members are not elected, their meetings are subject to open door and public records. And whenever they would like to go through the steps of creating a TIF area or even simply adding another project to their economic development plan, adding property to the acquisition list, really any additions whatsoever, they need to go through a rather lengthy process 
of the Redevelopment Commission holding a meeting, then going to the Plan Commission, then to the Council, a public hearing of the Redevelopment Commission, and in some cases back to the Council a second time. So it's an incredibly transparent process. Definitely. And what do you feel are maybe some common misconceptions about TIF or kind of questions people have about the TIF process? Well, I think Heather just hit on one of them. Is it, it's, it's transparent. Um, not always do we see people actually showing up for redevelopment commission meetings, mm-hmm. but all of those meetings are public meetings and, and any definitive decisions are undertaken where the public can be in the room where they can have the opportunity to make their voice heard. Um, so I think that's a, a big misconception is that, you know, there's, there's no role for the public or the overlapping units to uh, uh, to have in the process to make their voices heard. Mm-hmm. And we've already touched on this, but folks oftentimes think that creation of a TIF area takes away from the property tax base. And again, that's just simply not the case because it's only increases in assessed value that are captured and the base assessment date protects overlapping taxing units to ensure that anything at that date or prior to that date stays in the property tax base. And and I think to kind of piggyback off of that as well is, um, you know, TIF revenues are, they're collected just like any other property tax revenue. It's the assessed value times the tax rate and that generates the revenue and it gets allocated to the redevelopment commission. But one thing that's important to note, and and this is something I hear uh, all the time, is that if you're getting $50,000 in TIF revenues, say, that does not mean that it's $50,000 that the overlapping units aren't receiving. That does not mean that if the TIF didn't exist, that's $50,000 that gets divided up as new revenue between all the overlapping taxing units. That's just not how property taxes in Indiana work thanks to uh, the levy controls that are in place for the majority of property tax supported funds. So it's important for people to understand that if if you have a, a TIF area, that's not new dollars that are being diverted from the other units. That's new dollars that are specific to the TIF and then once the TIF goes away, the assessed value goes into the tax base and interacts with those levy controlled and rate controlled uh, property tax funds, but that does not mean that that's just going to be a, a new revenue source to those units. Mm-hmm. Great. So as we wrap up the podcast, what are some cool TIF projects you guys have seen kind of on the road and traveling and DNR working with clients? Um, some cool ones I've been working on lately. Uh, Mayor Joe in Whiting has a very exciting mascot Hall of Fame museum that also has a little bit of a children's museum component to it. That's a fun and exciting project. And Mayor Uran in Crown Point has been working on Bulldog Park, which is going to have an ice skating arena, a farmer's market, all kinds of different components that are pretty exciting. Yeah, and I think another interesting TIF project that I've seen um, that I was lucky enough to be involved with was Mayor Pete up in South Bend with the Smart Streets project. Yeah. Uh, just completely changes the flow of traffic through downtown South Bend, and it's just interesting to see how local businesses have reacted to that. And they've also recently done TIF bonds to support their My SB Parks and Trails project that really hits at the quality of place Mm -hmm. Uh, that Heather uh, addressed earlier, that they have a a grand vision for uh, recreation access for the residents of South Bend, and uh, they've utilized TIF to support that vision. And so it's it's interesting to see it deployed on that scale, and it'll be interesting to see how that plays out as those projects are completed. 
Great. Well, we really appreciate your time um, and for being on the podcast and explaining tax increment financing, which is such a big issue for municipalities. So thank you so much. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. This podcast was sponsored by the AIM P-Card program.